Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody, welcome back to a brand new episode of Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino, one of your co-hosts. And of course, joining me each and every single week is your other co-host, James Johnson, the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire via USA Today. And Jay, good to be back here with you for another week of recording, Uh, even though the Jaguars did fall short to your other team, the Atlanta Falcons. And it was a a bit of a sloppy game, kind of tough to watch, but there were some bright spots, but just not enough to come out with a win, but nonetheless excited to talk to you about it and break this game down. So how are you doing here tonight, bud? Yeah, man, it was as about as sloppy of a game as I think I expected. And many people expected. We were looking at two of, you know, despite the Falcons still being in it for the NFC playoff uh, race, uh, they are, you know, arguably two of the worst teams in football, probably when you look at the talent level. Uh, so, you know, it went about right about how, you know, I expected and, and a lot of others expected. But yeah, man, I'm good, man. We're here on December the 1st, you know, so it's time to start getting into the Christmas spirit, into the holiday spirit. Uh, so, you know, that's for me, at least my favorite holiday of the year, you know, all of the family time, which, oh, yeah, speaking of which, I. Got to see all of my family on Thanksgiving. You came by, had some turkey and all that good stuff with us and the whole nine, and that was good. Shout-outs to Stodge as well and the whole family. We all got together. So, yeah, man, I'm energized for this uh, last little stretch of the year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And as always, uh, we appreciate everybody rating, commenting, subscribing, and supporting however they go about supporting us. Yeah, exactly. So I did get some Thanksgiving food. You know this, Jay. If uh, you and your fam don't invite me over, I just end up at like Waffle House or McDonald's or something. So I appreciate you guys inviting me over again. And, uh, you know, so I can get some good food. So that was definitely appreciated. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Can't can't do McDonald's and Waffle House for for Thanksgiving or Christmas, man. Like that's not that's a no, no, man. (laughs) Can't do it. Hey, listen, I'm never upset about going to Waffle House. You know, I am from Jacksonville, Florida, so it's like I'm just at home there. So uh, you, we, uh, nothing, nothing wrong with that. But yeah, guys, again, as Jay mentioned, we thank you all so much for the support that we've received thus far. And uh, we, uh, we are just kind of blown away by the feedback each and every single week. So if you are enjoying the show and you haven't gotten a chance to yet, please do us a favor and head on over to Apple Podcasts if you're listening on your Apple device and leave us a five-star review. That is one of the best ways you can support the show. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and Amazon Music. Of course, we can be found at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast as part of the Believe Podcast library. You can find the show on social media at Believe in Jags Pod. And then you can also follow myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And Jay is at Sports Grind underscore Don. That's D-O-N. And then, of course, make sure to follow the Jaguars wire.usatoday.com for all of the up-to-date Jacksonville Jaguar news. And before we get started, we also have to give a shout out to our sponsor, one of our sponsors here today, which is Bet Online, because it is back and better than ever. 
They've got a brand new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And with that out of the way here, Jay, let's go ahead and talk about this game. Of course, as we mentioned, the Jacksonville Jaguars fall to the Atlanta Falcons 21 to 14 and now have a record of two and nine on the season, which as of right now has them sitting pretty as far as the draft boards go. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Trevor Lawrence, 23 of 42, 228 yards, one touchdown and one interception. James Robinson hit his carry cap, 17 carries and 86 yards. That's pretty much about all we see from him, no matter what the, you know, his health status or the game. That is where they cap him at right around 17 carries. And, uh, you know, the receiver group as well. Tavon Austin gets his first touchdown, I believe, since 2019 is what was said on the broadcast. He had a couple catches for 21 yards and uh, hauled in a touchdown in the back of the end zone. But, Jay, you know, as we mentioned, we kind of changed up the uh, over the last couple of weeks. We have changed up the format for these episodes where we do three takeaways to kind of condense the episode a little bit. And we'll start here on the offensive side because, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago where a couple of people will where some people in the fan base were criticizing Trevor Lawrence and maybe thinking that, you know, maybe this isn't the right guy and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, just because just based off the performance from the offense here, I think we kind of have a good idea of what's really happening here in Jacksonville on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, yeah. It's just a case of, you know, he's doing the best he can with what he has. And I mean, yeah, sure, it's some... Uh, you know, it's some rookie lumps that he's taking in there, too, on his part where, you know, he's making, you know, some some poor decisions or whatever the case may be. But like, you know, every rookie uh, deserves the luxury to make those mistakes. Right. But I think for him, it's amplified because, you know, it's amplified because the team around him isn't good, how the season is going. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, the blame could get placed on the wrong people when you have a situation like that. So. That being said, we pretty much expected that, right? Because partially, you know, and I don't want to take any blame off of Daryl Bevel, but partially he's not working with a lot offensively either. We kind of talked about that, right? Jamal Agnew out for the season, uh, lost Dan Arnold early in the game, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, But I think that was the second or third play of the second quarter where Dan Arnold uh, injured himself it was a great two mcl sprain so he went much of the game without him and by the way that was dan arnold's first target uh by the way and that was his first target dating back to the game even last week where he didn't get targeted at all so you know that being said uh you know you just you look at what he's throwing at and you know for crying out loud like you said one of his best weapons right now and one of the weapons that he got a score from was Tavon Austin who like you said and this is not a knock on Tavon Austin because he's awesome and you know we loved his tape coming out of West Virginia he's a human highlight reel and this that and the other but he isn't what he once was right 
uh, in, in terms of, you know, when he came out of West Virginia and early in his career when he was with the Rams who were coincidentally going to be playing, uh, but this time it's the Los Angeles Rams. But when you look at his weapons, you know, he's throwing to a, you know, a 31, 32-year-old Tavon Austin, a 31, 32-year-old uh, Marvin Jones. And that being said, like, we're seeing that that's not going to cut it. Um, we're, we're missing the absence or we're missing the presence, should I say, even though we don't know what he's capable of, right? Because he was a rookie, but we're missing the presence of Travis Etienne, right? And that explosiveness he was supposed to bring to the mix. Uh, they're not using James Robinson, right? That falls on Daryl Bevel and that falls on Urban Meyer. Those parts do fall on them. And again, that's not to say I don't think that we talked about this last week that Daryl Bevel uh, should stick around. I think he should be fired. But, uh, yeah, you know, they're not utilizing James Robinson right, and they're minimal on the weapons they have, and they're going to be even more minimal on the weapons they have heading into the next game. So, you know, it feels like this is going to get worse offensively. And, I mean, from this month or uh, these these next few games or whatever the case may be heading forward, it's really going to be hard to really place anything. And, I, again, this is not me negating the blame from Trevor Lawrence, but, like, you can't really get a gauge on how good he is with what he's going to go out there with these next few weeks or so uh, because, you know, the roster is just depleted in terms of skill, guys. And, uh, you know, the offensive line is good at run blocking. You know, they at least have that, but you can only do that for so long. So I think, like, we're just at a point now where we're just trying to somehow make it through the season because these next offensive performances are probably going to be poor unless Daryl Bevel gets a lot more creative than he's been, which we kind of saw a little bit of in that score with Tavon Austin, but he, he needs to do a little bit more of that if the Jaguars are to even have a chance heading forward. Yeah, Jay, I mean, the offense is just going to be tough to watch down the stretch. We mentioned this last week, and, you know, we get O'Shaughnessy back, and then Dan Arnold gets lost, you know, like I'm talking about them running this Patriot style offense when they had the two tight ends. And, you know, now that dream is dead. Of course, I am kidding. That definitely wasn't going to happen. But, you know, I'm just not really sure what people expect from Trevor Lawrence or any quarterback for that matter that has the weapons at their disposal or the lack of weapons, I should say, that Trevor Lawrence does, you know, outside, of course, James Robinson. And once again, they refuse to give him the ball and make him a workhorse. I don't know if they're just trying to conserve him for the years to come, or they're just so hell-bent on using Carlos Hyde. You know, Carlos Hyde is a fine backup player. You know, he'll break off a couple of runs, 8 to 12 yards, and look really good, and then that's about it. Uh, don't even get me started on the Dare Gumbawale uh, drop. That would have been a touchdown, would have changed the entire uh, feel of the game. You know, this is what we're going to be in for for the remainder of the season. And, uh, you know, for myself, who is going out to L.A. to uh, to check out this team, I'm very, very much so worried about what this offense is going to do or isn't going to be able to do against an L.A. Rams defense that, of course, is stacked, even though they have been struggling as of late here. Jay, I mean, let me ask you this. I mean, let's say worst case scenario, you know, our our additions in the offseason. And of course, we're looking ahead here the additions to the offense are minor as far as weapons, specifically on the wide receiver side. Let's say, let's just throw a name out there. Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, we miss on, uh, we miss on guys, the, the big names, Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson and Devonte Adams. Those guys don't come. And we end up with a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster, who was, I believe coming off an injury, you know, what kind of, is there a name out there that you think would 
utilize the talents of this offense better, you know, because of course you, you, and then also let's assume DJ chart comes back on a prove it deal. I mean, what, what really is going to happen here? Because we talked about this with boogie players are also going to want to come here. And based off the resume that this offense has put together this season, I mean, it's obviously not going to garner a whole lot of interest, right? Yeah. So you probably should begin maybe potentially with, you know, coaching staffs that are on the hot seat and the coordinators that could get fired from those staffs or coordinators that got fired earlier this year, kind of like uh, Jason Garrett, you know, like I know a lot of people will kind of be like, yeah, I don't want Jason Garrett here. But again, man, like what we're seeing out of Daryl Bevel, could it get any worse? You know, like and what they need is, and I don't know, like you would more so know about Garrett, right? Because you are the Dallas Cowboys fan, but what they need is somebody who's just going to cater to what they have. And it's kind of like, you know, the reason why Joe Cullen is having a little bit more success than Daryl Bevel is because he, you know, he's adapted to what the Jacksonville Jaguars had. He didn't have to really do that much adapting to, to get them to fit the Baltimore Ravens scheme because they were more. So it felt like a three, four team than a four, three team as Todd Wash tried to make them last year. Uh, but, yeah, like what's really helped Joe Cullen is that, uh, you know, the scheme is catered towards what he has. And you a prime example, right, midseason when we went to the bye, prime example. Urban Meyer has said this and many others have said this as well. Uh, you know, the they went back and evaluated why they were struggling so much on defense. And a key to that, which we'll kind of talk about later, is they felt like they needed to have more uh, situations where they use more zone coverage because man-to-man just wasn't working well for them. And here we are since the bye week. Those adapt, uh, those adaptations and those um, changes have really, really helped this defense. And we're not saying this is a top 10 defense or anything like that, but they certainly, I think, man, you can agree that they've certainly looked better since the bye week. Um, aside from maybe the, the Seahawks game, but aside from that, this defense has really, really looked better. You know, Tyson Campbell's looking better, who, again, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. A little preview in advance there. Uh, But, yeah, this defense is looking better. Roy Robinson Harris is getting more pressure. That's helped, you know, from the interior standpoint. Josh Allen has been playing out of his mind. Uh, DeJuan Smoot has been playing pretty good, you know. So that's also helped that they're doing better in the trenches uh, to make things better on that back end. But, yeah, a big part of this is that, you know, they kind of went to more zone coverage to help their defensive backs. And uh, that has really, really, really helped this defense. So, yeah, like when you look at uh, the going back to your question, when you look at the hot seat coordinators, you know, you see names uh, like David Cully. And you also you can't rule out names from the college realm, right, uh, that Urban Meyer can maybe poach from there that he might have a good relationship with. Don't want this to happen necessarily. But, you know, we've already heard Dan Mullen many, many times, you know, just – on the Twitter level, which again, I don't know if Dan Mullen will translate because he's never done it on the NFL level. But again, that's st- stuff worth mentioning because he has that relationship with Urban Meyer. But you look at hot seat candidates, like I just pulled up the CBS article. You know, the David Cullies of the world, again, don't know like exactly what scheme he would run, this, that, and the other. Um, you know, Matt Rule, who, you know, Matt Rule, I think is a defensive coach, but Joe Brady's on his staff. Maybe you get a Joe Brady or somebody like that um, over here that can maybe cater the scheme more so to what they have on deck. Um, you know, Joe Judge, former wide receivers coach, he's on the hot seat. That's a name worth mentioning because, you know, when you look at these coaches, chances are we've seen it many, many times. Uh, these head coaches normally get 
demoted at least for a year or two to an offensive coordinator role um, after, you know, they normally they don't make a lateral move. So maybe, you know, you look at one of these guys on the hot seat that gets fired, uh, but somebody who definitely can work with the tools with limited tools the Jacksonville Jaguars have. And again, like you said, we're going to have to add more pieces alongside it in uh, free agency and whatnot. But, you know, from a perspective of what you have, yeah, that's what you want to do. You want to get a coordinator that is going to work with what you have in January. And when you add the pieces to that, then you can, you know, kind of modify your scheme and, you know, go from there. Yeah. And and the only reason that I bring that up here, Jay, is just because I, I don't want anybody to get caught up in the idea that Jacksonville is going to be able to lure somebody like a Chris Godwin or Devonte Adams, no matter how big the money is. I, I just, you know, we haven't really ever seen that other than one time or a couple times, I guess, 2017, 2016, 2017, you know, we had, of course, some big name signings, but I, I just don't want anybody to get their hopes up that one of those guys is coming here. If anything, the guy that I would put on the top of that list would be Allen Robinson. And of course he's had a little bit of a down year, but that would be the only guy that I think could realistically come here. And, you know, maybe you pair him with DJ Chark coming off the injury and then a Marvin Jones jr. And then, whatever they get out of LaVisca Chenault, who even knows. And then, of course, Jay, you've thrown out names, you know, within our group chat about guys they can target in the draft. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen there. Again, I just don't want anybody to get their hopes up and and think that we're going to lure in one of these big-time receivers. Go ahead, Jay, and then we'll move on to the next uh, the next takeaway. Yeah, when you talked about that, that made me realize a lot of what could potentially help to lure some of these guys in, right, are the, the – uh, the situation you go about how who do you make the coordinator right maybe you have a coordinator that has ties to uh one of these free agents uh that may have had a good relationship with them or you know like i guess kind of in joe brady's case may have coached somebody in in um college because he's more so been in college than in the nfl uh but yeah maybe that plays a big role into this too is you can get a coordinator that can help lure offensive pieces and offensive talent into uh into this this organization or what have you i I think that's kind of what they did with urban meyer they were hoping that urban meyer would use his relationships uh, because he always talks about these relationships to lure in guys that he may have coached at ohio state or whatever the case may be basically he's a connections guy basically so uh you know maybe that plays a role into it maybe you can get a guy like jason garrett who can uh, you know, again, like I know a lot of people may not like Jason Garrett, but one thing you can't deny, he has a lot of head coaching experience and he's a guy that could, you know, lure in, you know, free agents or what have you, because he has he to a degree he has experience in that he was a head coach for almost a decade. Right. For for the Cowboys. So, you know, maybe that's a reason you get a Jason Garrett. Uh, or maybe that's a reason you get, you know, like the most polished offensive coordinator you can find out there, a guy that has a lot of NFL experience. Then again, uh, maybe that won't work because, look, that's the situation we're in with Daryl Bevel, right? So <laughs> that doesn't necessarily always work out. But it's something worth mentioning that the offensive coordinator could help lure in free agents as well. Right. So, well, let's transition here, Jay, into our other takeaway before we get into behind enemy lines for the week. And, you know, before we talk about our second takeaway, we also want to talk about a new sponsor, which is Lightbox, because you can say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. 
Now, they have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off. Price so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. So, yeah, Jay, of course, uh, for the last takeaway here, uh, again, before we transition into behind enemy lines will be Tyson Campbell, because we have seen this young man just flourish over the last few weeks. And of course, he took a lot of that criticism from the fan base right on the nose early on. And, you know, I don't I can't really speak on this, but I don't believe we really ever heard anything out of that. He's just been working hard and learning each and every single week. And, you know, maybe that's a credit to working with a guy like a Shaq Griffin and having some experienced guys back there, but whatever they're doing with Tyson Campbell, it seems to, it, it's starting to click with him. And that's what you want to see from your young guys, especially from Tyson Campbell, who was thrust into the spotlight here because of course the Shaq Griffin injury and man, he really, really showed up and it just really makes me Man, I just wish that C.J. Henderson pick worked out, man, because, again, we saw it early from him as well. And if you have gone through this season and Shaq Griffin playing well, C.J. Henderson, and then now Tyson Campbell, that would have been nice. But, you know, that has nothing to do with where we're at now. But it's just kind of a what if situation. We all know how things are going with him in Carolina. Not so great. But, um, you know, Tyson Campbell, Jay, talk about your, you know, your guy, your Georgia Bulldog and how he's just improved over the last couple of weeks in his big game, of course, on Sunday. Yeah, we kind of, you know, touched on this in the previous segment, right? What's helping him is the uh, the change of going to more zone coverage, right? They were in uh, cover two, I think, when he got the pick on Matt Ryan. Uh, if I could recall, they, they were in cover two. Um, but, yeah, like – he uh, went out into the flats, which, you know, that's the cornerback's job in cover two is kind of jam the guy, kind of get the guy out in the flats. And he followed Matt Ryan's eyes, and that's been the key. You know, when we talk about Tyson Campbell and his struggles, and even when he was drafted, his struggles was finding the football, right? Well, in zone coverage and cover two, that allowed him to see the quarterback, Matt Ryan, and he kind of, you know, peeled off of his man that was in the flats and uh, got underneath the route that uh, I forgot who the receiver was that was behind him, but got underneath that route, picked it off, and that was his first career pick. So, you know, it's it goes back to Joe Cullen and a mix of Urban Meyer, and this has been the issue on offense, but catering the scheme and the defense more so to what they have and what they drafted. Now, only if we can get them to do that on offense, maybe we have two more wins or so, right? Like maybe the outcome of this season looks a little better than it does now, and we're at – what, uh, four wins instead of uh, two, right, or something like that. If the offense kind of follows that mold and the offense uses James Robinson a little bit more than they should um, or, or they have been, should I say. Um, and, and, you know, uh, of course, again, the injuries didn't help either, so it's nothing you could really do about that. But uh, that being said, man, like, that's that's huge for this organization, that Tyson Campbell is playing the way that he's playing because, again, they spent a very high pick into him. He's essentially a first-round pick, late first-round pick. He was picked in the top of the second round. And, you know, this class was looking really, really lackluster. A lot of it is the coaching's fault because they aren't putting Andre Sisco out there, right? And, you know, we have yet to really see Walker Little aside from the game where uh, Cam Robinson was hurt in warm-ups. So, this, this class was looking lackluster, and, you know, Tyson Campbell can kind of help turn that around a little bit. 
uh, because really the only guy we've really been seeing out there was Trevor Lawrence. Well, Luke Farrell too, but you know he's kind of been used as a blocking tight end more than a uh, skilled guy or whatever the case may be. So um, glad that they are finding Tyson's niche. Glad that they're helping him out a little bit more. Glad that he's improving on his play, and uh, you know that that is definitely going to help them have you know one more uh positive note especially if he continues the way that he is that'll help them to have one more positive note to end the season on that they previously didn't have yeah any positive takeaways you can garner from this season is going to be a win and if tyson campbell continues to go out there and, and play really well and you know he's going to definitely get tested against these receivers here in la jay go ahead i, I know you had something else to add on yeah it also helps in the sense that you know we were saying a lot of the things they addressed in the offseason and in the draft, uh, it was looking like they would have to readdress them, right? So this also helps the Jaguars in the sense this is probably going to be one less need uh, that they'll go into the offseason with than they than they previously had because it was looking like, hey, man, these guys could afford to get the best available corner in a draft of free agency before, you know, these last three games where Tyson showed up. Now it's looking like the Jags at least – and I've been, you know, critical on Shaquille Griffin, uh, but, you know, he was okay uh, before he got injured too. It's looking like the Jaguars at least have two uh, decent corners, number one and two corner on their depth chart. They still could afford to add some more guys. But, um, you know, cornerback isn't – what I'm saying is cornerback isn't once the need that it was about a month or two ago. Like, because we were looking at this team and we were like, dude, man, we're going to need new corners. We're going to need a new edge rusher to go with Josh Allen. We're going to need somebody to push the pocket. Remember, that was the thing before. Like, we need somebody to push the pocket. Look, Roy Robinson Harrison has uh, stepped up and helped there. Uh, Taven Bryan, dare I say, has stepped up to to help push the pocket. So defensive tackle isn't looking as much of a need uh, as it once was. Now the only thing they really need to do is really get Cisco out there. Aside from that, you know, like, they will be the high note that this season ends on for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. And like you said, you know, just with some added pieces, we say it each and every single week, we just need a couple more pieces and this defense is on its way. And that should be definitely very exciting. Like you said, we, in the last segment, we just need the offense to catch up with them. And, you know, we'll feel a lot better about this team going forward here. But uh, Jay, is there anything else you wanted to feel? Yeah, um, go ahead. Yeah, one last thing that I do want to add, too, is when you said that, it kind of reminded me, too, that one additional piece that the defense needs or, you know, like that one or two pieces that they may need may be on the way depending on how this month ends. It's like, do you really want to win more games? Because right now the Jaguars could end up getting like um, Hutchinson from Michigan to pair with Josh Allen, you know, to that'll be your duo of pass rushers. Or they're on the way to maybe getting um, Thibodeau from Oregon to pair with him. So could you imagine right? <laughs> either so, one of those guys, honestly? Yeah. To pair with Josh Allen. And the crazy part about it is, you know, we sit here and we talk about, uh, you know, like how are you going to lure free agents in or how are you going to lure these stars in? Well, the Jaguars may be on the way to getting a star, another star on the defensive side that they don't have to necessarily lobby to lure in, you know, it's the draft. So, you know, you just kind of, you enter the draft or you don't enter the draft. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, they might get a star on defense depending on how the season ends. Um, I'm kind of not excited to win any more games. I mean, it'll be nice to beat the Rams, but at the same time, I wouldn't mind having one of those two pass rushers that I just mentioned. 
Yeah, definitely. So, you know, we, we find ourselves kind of in a not a totally similar situation because, of course, Trevor Lawrence was on the line. But we do find ourselves in the uh, uh, we do find ourselves with the opportunity to add somebody to this defense that can certainly make a big impact. And that isn't necessarily going to have to be added through free agency. But Jay, is there anything else you want to mention as far as this game before we move into behind enemy lines? We're going to be looking at the L.A. Rams game and previewing that with Chauncey Talese of uh, the host of who is the host of L.A. Pod Fidential. Nah, man, I mean, I pretty much said what I had to say. Uh, it wasn't too ranty of an episode as bad as the performance was, surprisingly. I guess we're just used to it now, and <laughs> it's only so many ways you can say this stuff, but... And part of it too right. is like I'm not I'm not exactly mad that the Falcons won. I mean, I would have preferred the Jaguars win, you know, I obviously that's the team I cover and that's the team that's closest to my heart even aside from the journalism perspective, but uh yeah, man, no, I just can't wait to have this conversation with Chauncey and um, you know, talk about what a actual elite team looks like despite them not playing yeah. like it, but <laughs> talk about how to build an elite team with elite stars on it. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I think we just want to find ourselves getting better. And at times they look that way and then at times they don't. So, again, that's what uh, is going to happen. or That's what we're looking for here. And, you know, I mentioned this last week. We're getting to the point of the season where a lot of these episodes are going to sound repetitive. So we're trying to condense them as much as possible. So let's go ahead and look to the Jaguars next matchup with the L.A. Rams with Chauncey Talese of L.A. Potential. All right, everybody, it is that time of the week where we go behind enemy lines. And of course, the Jaguars are making a trip out west to face the Los Angeles Rams. And to do that, we brought in a guest, Chauncey Talese, who who is the host of the L.A. Podfidential podcast, as well as a writer and contributor at LAFB Network. Chauncey, thank you so much for joining us and accommodating us, you know, with the time difference and all that kind of stuff. Super happy to have you here. How are you doing here tonight? Absolutely. I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. This is really nice. Yeah, absolutely. We love networking with other fan bases and, you know, other writers, contributors, podcasters, all of that. It's always a whole lot of fun. So we're going to talk about this matchup uh, myself. I'm actually making the trip out to L.A. on Friday. Oh, nice. and I will be watching the game. Yeah, we bought the tickets a while back and, um, you know, wasn't super confident then, not super confident now, but we'll see what happens when these two teams actually meet up and you know the Rams of course have been a a big topic of conversation because of a lot of the moves that they've made and we'll ask you about that here in just a moment but what do you think's been going on with the team here lately Uh, you know talking about their struggles over the last few weeks and you know what is what are areas of maybe concern that you guys are having oh my god Uh, my fan base bubble is um, like super salty and bitter and angry and it's been fire and pitchforks for the last month. So, I mean, I guess everything, but um, mostly it's the, it's like a lot of Sean McVay's play calling. Um, but a lot of people are upset. They don't run the ball very often, but there are reasons for that, which I'll get into in a second. Um, Raheem Morris is always fired every week by halftime, you know, uh, they don't like his schemes, which I get, but there's a lot of uh, personnel stuff going on there too, but it's mostly fire Raheem. McVeigh's got to get a real offensive coordinator and all that stuff. The offensive line isn't is soft, all that stuff. It's a whole mess of things. Oh, Stafford isn't really the guy we should have kept golf, which I've heard. And I think it's insane, but yeah, like, <laughs> dude, I, I swear to God, like the last month of, yeah, last month actually has been like so depressing. I'm like, I don't even want to be on the internet right now. Like I'm so happy I can talk about other stuff. Cause yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, it's, yeah, I think that's I mean, that's kind of like typical with every fan base, like believe it or not here, Chauncey, if you don't know, some people over the last couple of weeks have been questioning if Trevor Lawrence is the guy. So, you know, we are oh not <laughs> we are not immune to that type of talk. Just to Wait, kind of give you an speaking idea. Speaking of Jags, though, speaking of Jags, if someone's like, you know, what they, who they should get next year uh, for uh, to rein in McVay is Urban Meyer. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No one wants no. that. We we promise we're doing everybody else a favor by keeping him away from any other organization. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. So. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's it's really baffling, too, because, I mean, Jay, Jay, obviously, you're very familiar with Matthew Stafford being a Georgia Bulldog fan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have sung his praises for years on this podcast just because of the, you know, Regency thing and also uh, him just being i think an underrated and undervalued player so the fact that they're already ready to go back to jared goff and we've kind of seen we already know we know what jared goff ceiling is right so oh, it's, yeah. it's kind of like why would you want to all of a sudden go back to that yes you guys have of course rattled off some uh unfortunate losses but you know uh, i would rather be in the rams position than where the jaguars are right now so yeah you know do you think there is one specific thing to point to as far as maybe us probably not one thing you kind of mentioned it's a, it's a whole bunch of different things you know what area of concern do you think is uh, is maybe most important especially coming in to a game where the jaguars have rattled off some games where they look impressive but we you know we do know that they sometimes struggle out on the west coast they had a really poor showing in seattle you know not about a month ago too um let's see god one area of concern i mean it's really all like the offense like the offense has been causing the defense to stay on the field longer which in turn makes the defense worse because it's bend don't break but when bend don't break is on the field so much it breaks so it's about all about like well they need to control the ball have longer drives even when they score on a huge touchdown like van jefferson had last weekend it's like well now the offense is back on the field again so that's a problem like just give them some rest and it's all about running the ball, which they can't do that well. Like losing Cam Akers is a bigger deal than people think. And then they lost Johnny Munt, who was like one of their best blocking tight ends. So that's uh, hurt things a lot. Losing Robert Woods really hurt because he was a good blocker um, along with being a really good receiver. So it's like caused the offense to have to be an empty set all the time, which is bad news because that's what's led to a lot of the problems that have been going on the last month. Yeah, you know what? That sounds awfully a lot like the Jets in terms of the bend but don't break defense type mm-hmm. of deal is you know we'll preach this bend but don't break thing and you know earlier in the season the defense wasn't all that great now they're finding themselves but the problem is they'll get into this this predicament where they'll get the guys off the field they'll get the uh, opposing offense off the field and then our offense comes on the field and they'll have a three and out or something like this and this is something phil can attest to because he's been in the game yep. <laughs> like he's been in the stadium to watch it and the defense is like back on the field within three plays after, you know, a long drive. Uh, for example, they played the 49ers, who you're very familiar with. We all know they like these long, mm-hmm. lethargic drives. And the defense could finally get, you know, that offense off of the field. You know, it, it took them to get to the goal line to do so or whatever the case may be. But, you know, they've been on the field 11 plays, whatever the case may be. They finally get to stop and avoid a touchdown being scored on them. And then, you know, they get the guys off the field and then here comes our offense and they do like three and outs or whatever the case may be. Sometimes even worse, a pick or a fumble or something like that, whatever the case may be. Uh, So, yeah, we really, really understand where y'all coming from, albeit the Rams defense is significantly more 
uh, talented than the Jaguars defense. But the, the defense is kind of finding itself. Um, but we'll find out if they really have found themselves against this uh, this Rams offense, which, uh, like you said, they've been struggling. And one thing I want to add, too, is what's not what seems to be hurting. And I've been watching the Rams for the last three weeks, dating back to that Titans game. What seems to also be hurting them, and I hate to, you know, call out Matthew Stafford because that's my guy and everything, but, like, he's had a pick six in, like, all three of those last three games, if I can recall. Am I right on that, Chauncey? That's true. No, that's 100%. He's gone. He's on the full match job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear God. That's that's terrible to hear. Matthew Stafford We made it the to same week sentence. Go ahead, 14 of the season before we got a Matt Schaub reference. That was not on my bingo card. That's pretty, that's well, that came up last week in the game. Like, you know, this is his third pick six in a row. He's tied Matthew Schaub with the same record. I'm like, oh, well, that's that's dark. That's all not right. what you want. <laughs> no, it's not what you want at all. So, yeah, it's been tough. Yeah, it sounds like, now that I think about it, that's a former Ram, too. Sounds like former Jack Blake Bortles and former Ram Blake Bortles. Bortles! <laughs> BB5, the boat. The boat. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, Jay, I know you have, uh, you know, speaking of former Jaguars, I know you do have a question about, you know, a former Jag that uh, one of the former Jags that you guys have, uh, of course, traded for. <laughs> yeah, that a lot of people don't like us to mention on this podcast, but we're going to do it anyway, because uh, uh, that's what Oop. that's part of our job. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like we're coming up on that time. I mean, like it feels like that we have to admit that trading Jalen Ramsey was a mistake. And, I mean, like, let's let's be real. When we traded him, we probably knew that they weren't going to be able to replace that level of talent. Um, since they've drafted with those picks, uh, the most notable guys they've draft, drafted with those picks, Travis Etienne, Chase Sun. Etienne's on IR. Time will tell on him. Uh, Chase Sun has not been all that great. So, Needless to say, it isn't working out right now. It could look a little better in the future. But uh, could you explain just the uh, the huge addition that that was for the Rams and just how Jalen Ramsey has fared for that franchise and, um, you know, how, how groundbreaking or whatever the case may be that was for the Rams to get him in, in terms of, I mean, I know they, they live in L.A. and they live in the bright lights and this, that, and the other, but still, like, that's a huge talent and a huge get. How has he been for you guys over there? Oh my God. Um, it's amazing. Uh, Cause for one thing on the field, like uh, a lot of the, the chatter like in my bubble is like, Oh, why isn't Jalen Ramsey being lined up on the team's best receiver, yada, yada. Mm. But what they do is um, a, he said he gets bored doing that, which is incredible, but uh, he, they like to use him as a star. So like, instead of taking away a guy on the field, take away a part of the field because you don't know where he's going to line up. And that works, except the problem is the guys around him uh, have to always have to guess sort of when they pick their spots to defend the per the other person, if that makes sense. So Jalen's kind of roaming one area of the field and the other guys have to kind of compensate for like, being on the best guy. Right. So in one well, one level, he's doing a lot of revolutionary things as, as a corner, but it's also causing problems with the personnel around him. But that's more because it's a lot of young guys or guys that just aren't ready to have that role. But we, I can, there's other reasons why that happened. But no, and in the locker room, he's been amazing. Like everyone's like, oh, you can't trade for Jalen Ramsey. He's a cancer. When in fact, he's been quite the opposite. He's been a defensive leader immediately. He was like how they got Von Miller and how they got OBJ. Like he was actively recruiting, trying to get guys to come because he wants to win and he cares. He's looked frustrated the last couple of weeks. And I don't blame him because, you know, it sucks to lose three in a row. But he's been as as good as you can possibly want, and I'm happy they traded for him. I don't miss those picks, and uh, the contract is awesome because, you know, that's what you want. You want a good shutdown corner or a corner that can play a star. 
You know, it's great. I love having Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, so, well, yeah, so did we. <laughs> right, the right well, he, so he don't want to be there. He don't want to be there anymore. No, it's, uh, um, it, it went, and you know when that story came out. As far as and, and you know, you got to take all that with a grain of salt. But as far as you know, the, the when then the, when the podcast appearance with I think Akeem Talib came out, you, you have to take all that with a grain of salt. But Jalen also with a guy of that magnitude and, and that much star power. I mean, Jay, he's arguably the the most talented player that they've ever drafted you know falling on you know falling into him because the cowboys right before us they were really the only other team that we were really worried about taking him and they went with ezekiel elliott and when we knew that jalen ramsey was coming here i mean i still remember being at that draft party and the place just erupting so is there you know is there a lot of animosity in the fan base yes of course that's going to happen but also you know, learning more about this game and just also the ins and outs of how this franchise has been run over the last couple of years. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really blame him for all feeling that way. Could some things have been handled differently? Sure. Things could have been handled differently on all sides. Like there's no one, we can't point at Jalen Ramsey or we can't point at just Dave Caldwell and be like, this is why this fell apart. It, it was a whole lot of things that just didn't work out. And of course we definitely wouldn't mind having him still here today. So go ahead, Jay. I know you're about to say something. Well, just to add on to what you were saying too, you know, uh, like you said, yeah, it was, it was a mixture of issues everywhere on every level. Uh, the, the front office level, it was the issues in the, you know, the reportedly in the locker room going on or players fighting amongst each other. And there was, you know, you could argue that it was coaching issues going on too as well. So that being said, like, you know, like, especially with the Dave Caldwell situation, uh, you kind of can't blame the guy for wanting out, right? Like, what if your boss talked to you, or I don't even want to call Dave Caldwell necessarily his boss, but what if one of the higher-ups talked to you like that at your job? It'll tick you off, too, and you'll want to go find work elsewhere, too. So, like, you kind of can't blame him for that. Uh, but, you know, nonetheless, uh, you know, he, he's moved on and, and whatnot. I got a question that the fans would uh, really like me to ask uh, you, Chauncey. And my question is, how many more pick sixes can Matthew Stafford throw before Jalen Ramsey goes off on him? Probably two. Like, if they lose them, if they lose on Sunday, like, things are going to get really, really, really dark. <laughs> like, I, you know, and don't say it can't happen because I was at the Lions game and I was like, oh, my God, I'm actually sweating this out. Like, I was <laughs> already angry by the the first quarter. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, this is happening? Like, we're our offense can't even get on the field? Right now, because like the, the Lions are just having long drives. We give up two uh, punt, uh, fake punts in a row. Like, what are we doing? So don't say it can't happen, because it can. So I'm very concerned uh, about how Sunday goes. I don't think he'll throw a pick six. God, hope hope not. <laughs> um, but it's possible. Like, he, he's got to kind of get get his uh, feet back under him. If You know, like, it's he needs to kind of have, like, one really awesome game to, like, give everyone a sigh of relief until they have to play Arizona the following week on Monday. Well, I will say this, Chauncey, you are right to be concerned, not necessarily from a talent perspective, although the Jazz did beat the Bills and, you know, a lot of people think of that game um, as an example uh-huh. of what this could be. But what what you also said caught my ear, and I'm sure it caught Phil's ear too, the after effects of when the Jags beat teams. And me and him have witnessed this <laughs> yeah. firsthand. The it's Bills just, went into a spiral. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Dolphins. The too. fan bases, the <laughs> Dolphins, like – it was Dolphins fans talking about they've they they've been there since the Dan Marino days and they're done with the Dolphins after they they got defeated by the Jays. <laughs> then it was Bills fans saying like, that's just you know what we saw on the field was just a tragedy and like, 
this team mm-hmm. might not even belong in the playoffs after that, you know, whatever the case may be. And I mean, like, you know, for mm-hmm. me and Phil, we've been doing this long enough. We understand, like, on any given Sunday, some weird stuff can happen. You know, it's not like college where, you know, the, the team with the best talent is almost guaranteed to win. Like, we've seen this thing many, many times. Like, weird stuff happens in the NFL. You know, we're not necessarily ruling out the Jaguars beating the Rams, although it'll be a miracle, but we're not necessarily ruling that. <laughs> but, yeah, but. Um, Chauncey, there's, there's already talk that we've lost. There's already talk. Like, <laughs> oh, the Rams are going to blow it on Sunday. Like, right. we're here now. We're right. here. We're really like, okay, like, fine. Enjoy the rest of your season, dude. Okay, like, cool. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to. Right, right. I, I won't even wish it on you to have to deal with the after mm. effects of this, like a loss to the Jaguars, because me and Phil have just witnessed it, and it's been straight pandemonium. But anyway, I'm going to pass the next one off to Phil, uh, and it's on, um, you know, basically, you know, what they've built over there uh, with the Rams. Yeah, of course, you know, with all the moves that, of course, the Rams have made here, you know, the the, the term super team is, is going to come up. And recently, Troy Aikman's made a comment about super teams such as the Rams never working out. And, you know, of course, Les Snead has, has put this team together and you, you don't make moves like this if it's not Super Bowl or bust. Right. I mean, do you think that Troy Aikman is kind of is, is he right? Is he out of line? Where are you falling on that? And, you know, what happens if the Rams fall short this year? So the whole, like the thing that I've been kind of annoyed by, even with, again, my own bubble is like the, this misnomer that all of a sudden we don't actually have any picks next decade when that's not true. They actually have eight coming next year. I mean, sure. A lot of them are comp picks and then they're still going to get comp picks like th- this next year, the year after as well. Right. So like, it's not like the cover is going to be totally there. Yeah, fine. They don't have any firsts, but you know, Seattle proved that you don't really need it. You, you can have a, for all the firsts you want and not be good because they lift them their last five. So, you know, it's the first pit round pick isn't everything. The second and third for Von Miller looks bad until like you realize, oh, well, if he leaves, they get like the third rounder back. And like Sony Michelle leaves, they're going to get a fourth round back. Like when he's Michelle, Sony Michelle is going to leave. So like, it's not so bad. Like, yeah, it's kind of super, if kind of Super Bowl or bust in the sense that like um, everyone's perception of Sean McVay will change if like they fall short. Like if they lose in round one or two, um, that's a apocalyptic scenario. If they lose in the NFC championship, you can go, well, okay, they got to the conference championship, mm-hmm. but I don't, I, that's the only defensible loss it can have unless in the Super Bowl too. But I, it's not like they're going to be screwed for the next decade is my point. And that's what people kind of forget. And mostly when they traded the Stafford is also get out of Goff's contract. Like that's the one team building thing the Rams have actually screwed up on is the, the bad contracts like to Goff, to Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks' contract was bad at the time. So, like, those have been where they've killed themselves. But they've done a really good job drafting, like, in round, like rounds three and beyond. I mean, this year they, they kind of blew it. I mean, I do agree that drafting Tutu Atwell over Creed Humphrey was probably really stupid. Um, but other than that, like, their picks have been solid, you know? So, like, they're not, the cupboard's not going to be bare if they lose, but it's going to get a little dark if they don't get to the conference championship at least. Yeah, you hit something on the head, too. Like, in the NFL, <laughs> this is going to sound a little funny, but in the NFL, we see it with a lot of front offices. Who cares about first-round picks, right? I mean, look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, Phil. You can attest to this. They yeah. had Dave Caldwell for, like, what, a decade, and he missed on all his first-round picks. So, Can I ask I mean, a question about that? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Of course. 
do you think your guys is like that window you had where you had that really awesome defense um and then like a beef is enough offense would have been open a little bit longer if you'd taken a qb over for a night we <laughs> we clamored for years first it was in the Fortnite draft it was deshaun watson now of course you know who knows what's gonna happen with that situation well sure <laughs> and then the other time was after 2017 and even though jay you know, you'll speak on this there was no smoke to like even fan this flame but we had created in our minds and so did Jalen Ramsey at the time as well we had created in our minds that the Jaguars were going to take Lamar Jackson and there was no evidence for that there was no reason to think that whatsoever but we had thought in our minds Lamar Jacksonville was going to be a thing and it didn't happen so I think the right guy quarterback uh, we took Taven Bryan (laughs) oh no Uh, right so we had some we had concocted this story in our head that the quarterback would have brought the team because there was a lot of strife on this team. Like Jay will talk on that, like between uh, Jalen Ramsey and Yannick Ngakwe and Calais Campbell. Like think about, think about the audacity of players not getting along or not listening to a guy like Calais Campbell. That's how bad it got in the locker room. And it just, and Dante Fowler Jr. You know, there were just a Mm. lot of, there were a lot of personalities that bumped heads here and it was a very small window but I think with the right guy at quarterback, it would. I think Jalen talked about that in that interview with Akib. He knew they knew the defense knew they were limited because of Blake Bortles. So I think if they had drafted a guy or brought in the right guy at the right time, it could have changed everything. And and Nick Foles certainly wasn't that guy. Blake Bortles wasn't that guy. Mm-hmm. And now here we are again, hopefully trying to right the ship with Trevor Lawrence. I like Lawrence. He's going to be fine. I just I think it's just been a, a coaching malpractice. No offense. I really don't like Urban. I don't like Urban Meyer at all. That's an ongoing theme for guests when they come on. So yeah, it's okay. I don't think we found one guest that likes Urban Meyer. To be honest with you, we we've talked about this on the previous podcast. It was all of the scandals related to him, and just all of the off the field stuff related to him. If it was just more so about, I guess you could say his, his job, his coaching ability on the field, or whatever the case may be, or his body of work in terms of a coach on the field, it would have been more easier to deal with if it was about that because he's literally won everywhere he's gone. He's turned, you know, he turned Utah into a powerhouse. He turned, you know, Bowling Green into a Bowling a, Green, yeah. yeah, respectable team. So you can't argue with that. Uh, but again, it was just the stuff off the field that, you know, could distract the team. And we're seeing it now, obviously, uh, that really, really concerned me. So I, I guess you could say, like, he would have been tolerable had – and not been for all of the off the field stuff that he had, even dating back before he was with the Jags. And I think Phil would agree on that. Well, I'm in training camp. Those stories about him in training camp I was like, oh no, like this is already getting, uh, this is getting rough. I yeah. can't believe like this is exactly what I thought was going to happen with him. I, I felt bad the minute I saw that you guys hired him. Like, oh, Jags. I, want, I really want you to be good. I, I like Jacksonville. Like when they had those Stroud Henderson teams, those were fun. Yeah. Yeah. With, the thing is with ownership specifically, you know, of course, when we talk about shot Khan is, you know, he wanted to make a splash, but that's not the splash that we wanted. You yep. know, like when we find out that you don't even interview a guy like Brian Dable in Buffalo or names like that, it's just like, are you even really trying to make this team good? Or are you just trying to make sure we're in the headlines and now we're in the headlines for all the wrong reasons. So, you know, they flops are splashes too. Right. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen with, with all of that, but uh, Jay, I knew we do want to talk about you know, another addition here that the uh, the Rams had. So I'll, I'll lend it over, or I'll hand it over to you for the next question. 
Yeah, um, uh, actual two additions. Um, most recently, you you spoke on him a little bit, didn't really touch on his uh, what he's looked like on the field. So yeah, Von Miller. Um, how has he fared so far? I know the body of work's kind of you know limited right now, and it's kind of small right now, whatever the case may be. But the, immediately when you guys got Von Miller. All of the Jacksonville Jaguars fans were like, "Yeah, let's start praying for Trevor Lawrence because we not played him twice, <laughs> right? Yeah, we played him in Dem- when he was with Denver, by the way, week two. So there's that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, not only were the was the rest of the league worried about their quarterbacks when Von Miller went to the Rams, but we were too because we were on the Rams schedule. So how has he fared in his limited time there? Also, Odell Beckham, how has he looked so far? Uh, since being added, what was it, two or so weeks ago? So with Von Miller, it's been kind of slow because he came in with an ankle injury, so they weren't going to play him that first week because that's that it's a little ridiculous. And then, mm-hmm. like, okay, he's going to play limited snaps with the Niners, and he had a couple good plays, but nothing like to write home about. He got also corrected by George Kittle. Well, that happens. And then the Green Bay, he had a couple plays behind the line, but he still hasn't like gotten a sack yet. Like that's been a very puzzling thing. Is um, with as bad as Green Bay's offensive line was why like Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd and Von Miller couldn't get in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that has to be fixed. But he, so far he's had flashes of like what I want to see, but I think it's going to take him time to integrate himself with the defense. Mm-hmm. Then conversely with Beckham, he had that one really awesome touchdown against green Bay, which you're like, Oh, that's what I want to see. But he's been hurt, which was my more of my concern and they picked him up, but also they're getting him for nothing. So I don't care. <laughs> but like he's dealing with a hip issue, his back is back trouble. But as uh, he's been okay in what he's been asked to do, like the Niners game wasn't fair because he just got there Thursday, and then they lose Robert Woods. So we didn't know we wouldn't know what that offense is really going to look like until next year if he stays. I don't think he will, um, which means Chichen can't pick. But uh, you know, it's been limited. I, I it's a very small sample size, and I can't really say they've been bad moves yet. They've been okay moves. They haven't been what we thought they were going to be yet. But they got Von Miller for the playoff run. So assuming they still make the playoffs, um, you know, that's what they really want him for. They want limited step. They're going to have him on limited snap count, like 25 snaps a game. They don't want to overdo it and then unleash him when they're actually, they actually need him to be awesome. Yeah, that makes sense. We, and back, we, yeah. we know about that too. Like that's kind of what the Jaguars, when they've had success, that's kind of how they've been built is like through powerhouse defenses, right? So, you know, like when you get in the postseason and always you can never have too much of a pass rush in the postseason. I think we know that as well as anybody, especially. Mm-hmm. And I hate to keep going back to this, but it's the only season that we had that's been good in the past decade and some change. But when you go back to 2017, that's what it was about. It was a, you know, it was a, a nice little rotation going there. Um, even, you know, aside from the main guys there. So. Yeah, we understand that part of it. And, you know, I think, yeah, in the end, that definitely because, like you said, he came in injured, but he should definitely be as close as you can get to 100% around the postseason. And that's when he's going to be real dangerous. I mean, like, that's what you, that's how you have to prepare to face probably Tom Brady and or, or Aaron Rodgers or whoever's going to mm-hmm. come out of the NFC. Uh, so it it makes a lot of sense, even though, like, I think a lot of us were kind of, like, blindsided by the Rams getting them. But at the same time, we weren't shocked because, Me you know, too. They, they like to make splashy moves here and there. Yeah. yeah. Again, time, like you said there, Chauncey, time will tell on that. And, uh, you know, that time, of course, is 
is coming up and you definitely, uh, you know, maybe you have an opportunity to kind of uh, at least get a little bit right or get some momentum and maybe build some chemistry here against Jacksonville because we're, we're at the point now with Jay and I, like we don't know what team is going to show up. Like, is it going to be the team <laughs> right. that got blown out by Seattle and, you know, had Geno's or had Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf running all over them? Or are we going to get the built, you know, the team against the Bills? Uh, you know, they almost pull out a win against the Colts, who look like a great team now. All of a sudden, the Bengals, you know, we played them really, really well earlier in the season. So you never know what kind of, you know, which team you're going to get. But we're going to move into our, our last question here, Chauncey, which is kind of a combination question. The first one, we always ask all of our guests because we like to see and hear what the answer is going to be. And then the second question is just going to be a prediction. So the first half of the question is, uh, if there is a player on the Jaguars roster, we don't expect you to know everybody, but if there was one player you could pluck off of our roster and place on your team, who would it be? And then also, what's the final prediction as far as the score for this game, for the game this weekend? Chauncey, oh, I don't want, want to cut okay. you off, but can I guess that it's going to be an offensive lineman? Would I be yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> I did my scouting report. I did my scouting report, but go continue. <laughs> if it wasn't going to be an offensive lineman, I would say um, Dan Arnold, I guess, because I need another tight end. I like Higby, but, you know, Higby can only do so much. and They don't have another blocking tight end, which has um, been a real problem because Sean McVay occasionally likes to run false personnel when they make him. So uh, I would take a, take a lineman or a really good blocking tight end because that's been a real issue. Andrew Norwell <laughs> and or Brandon Leonard. Basically, or I, I mean, like, Norman, I guess, or I mean, because uh, his name is this, uh, Whitworth is up there in age. They could they could use Cam Robinson. He's been decent this year. Me and Phil have kind of talked about that. Like we've been on the brink of like, should Cam Robinson get a a contract extension? Should he be resigned or whatever the case may be? So Cam Robinson would would definitely help them. I mean, pretty much any offensive lineman aside from Juwan Taylor, who's like on pace to get like twelve right. penalties this year, uh, would probably be a guy that y'all could use on that offensive line with the Rams. Yeah. Then what about a score for the weekend here, Chauncey? How do you see the game playing out? Oh boy. I mean, a month ago I would have said like thirty-five to three. Um, now I'm gonna be very charitable and say like thirty-one <laughs> seventeen and. Uh, my entire phone is just melt, uh, melting into oblivion because I'm like, I can't believe it's this close. I can't believe it's this close. Sunshine is throwing all over us. I can't believe this is happening. Um, I'm going to warm up the car now. Um, but then we pull it out at the end. No, I'm, yeah, 31-17 or like 35-20 with garbage time or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could very easily be like a really like, sweated out game like i'm trying to be optimistic but it's it's been it's been a little tough man (laughs) um you know sometimes people were uh uh, i would just like watch 99 rams teams just to feel something you know (laughs) hey it's okay we go back and watch 2017 all the time so it's okay yeah totally I totally understand, you know, watching all those hype videos. It was a good time. I, I totally respect that. But uh, yeah, Chauncey, you know, I would obviously with me being in attendance, I'm excited to see the stadium. Of course, you know, really excited to see that. Oh. And I uh, just spent some time, uh, spent some time there and it uh, should be exciting. Um, the food's not great though. I, I must warn you, like it's, it's very hit or miss, but it's okay. very, it's a very nice, it's a very nice stadium. Like I'm, I'm really, really glad it exists. I've gone twice. I went once for Rams Alliance, and I went to Chargers Cowboys too, just because my friends okay. are huge Cowboys fans. So I'm like, yeah, I want to get the lay of the land before we do this for real. So and eat it's, be- it's so eat beforehand yeah, is what you're saying. 
Oh yeah. Well, first okay. of all, stadium stuff way overpriced. I yeah, mean, you absolutely. Know, <laughs> you know, you're you're only human. Um, but it's it's nice. It's very easy to get in and out of. It's very it's very open, so you're not like sardines. So that's really nice. So he's yeah, telling you, Phil, that Sierra Nevada is like fourteen dollars there. So get all your drinking in, <laughs> especially before you go to the stadium. Yeah, I would recommend that too. Like it's very expensive there. Yeah, it could be a long day, so I might want to show up a little, you know, uh, under the. I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, Wait, so what, we'll jer- what jersey are you wearing? I have a Josh Allen jersey, so yeah, I'll be. Oh, okay, I'll be sporting. No, no, that's that's a good one. Okay. Yeah, I'll By be sporting way, though, Josh had... Allen. Yo, well, this is the weirdest thing. Um, so I've been twice, and each time, like, you'll see random fans jerseys. Like, mm-hmm. why are you here? And uh, we've seen some. Ja- yep. I saw two Jaguars jerseys went out to Rams Lions. Hey, there you go, man. I'm, I'm not we, kidding. <laughs> we uh, we're slowly making like you know branching out and, and getting a bigger fan base and representation. So we uh, um so we are we are on the Jaguar side. You know, going with a uh, you know a friend of mine here, a co-host of my other podcast as well, my sister who lives in San Diego. So you know, we'll at least be there repping uh, uh, you know the Jaguars. So hopefully the turnout is pretty good. I think our, uh, Jave, correct me if I'm wrong. I think our travel game for like the, you know, the Jaguars, you know, essentially boosters was, I think the Bengals game. So I don't know how many people are, are going to be traveling out to this one, but hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll at least get some Duval chance in there and, and have ourselves a good time. But with that being said here, Chauncey, you know, let us, let everybody know in our audience where they can find you and all of your work. And then we, you know, we'll let you go. We really appreciate your time. And, you know, of course we hope to do this with you again soon. No, I really appreciate it. Like Owen Wilson, I enjoyed being behind enemy lines. Um, <laughs> no, I, I write for the LAFB football, LAF, the Los Angeles Football Network, LAFB.com. That's where you can find all my written work, my podcast, LA Pod Financial, which goes over obviously NFL, but also all the other LA sports, plus uh, superhero news and pop culture. We kind of do everything. We're a variety show. Um, you can find LA Pod Financial on Spotify, on SoundCloud, wherever you can get your podcasts. And then on Twitter, I'm at BigChance64. I promise I'm a very fun follow. It's not all just Ram stuff. And by the way, with the Jags, I Maurice Jones Drew is one of my favorite players of all time in, in any sport. So thank you for Mojo. I was a huge UCLA guy. Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, listen, um, we uh we had we had Mojo on uh, right in the middle of the uh, of the offseason, Jay. And what? it it, t- it took a lot in me to not just like freak out the whole time. I think I handled like myself pretty well. Show? Maybe I didn't, yeah, maybe I didn't handle myself well, Jay, but it was awesome to talk to him. So yeah, he is, of course, will always be a favorite of ours out here. Him and and you know Mercedes Lewis for how how wrong they did him on his way out. But that was just yeah. a, a tragedy. But uh, Chauncey will make sure, of course, everything is uh, of course linked in the show notes so everybody can find all of your work. And again, we super appreciate it. Um, it's funny you mentioned you know the superhero stuff as well. I'll also be going to LA Comic Con on Saturday because we oh. uh, we found out that that's going to be in town. We were originally going to go to you know Avengers Campus and do all that touristy stuff. But uh, the, the day had sold out because, you know, you got to get your reservations and stuff way in advance. But we found out L.A. Comic Con is going on and I'm going to go pay $80 for Benedict Wong to give me an autograph. So, Oh, yeah, <laughs> but, dude. <laughs> so that's I think that's money well spent. But Chauncey, we really appreciate you. And again, hope to do this with you soon. You stay safe and uh, we appreciate it. You have a good night. Thank you, too. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody, again, shout out 
to Chauncey Talis of LA Podfidential for joining us. So, you know, it seems like the Rams, Jay, uh, specifically their fan base, are, you know, a little bit in, uh, you know, they find themselves in turmoil, of course, after a couple of, you know, bad losses in a row. And that can certainly happen. And you definitely don't want the, you know, the lowly Jaguars to come in. And it seems like Chauncey is giving us a little bit more respect than, you know, maybe some other fan base or than, than uh, some other teams would. So, uh, you know, we definitely appreciate that. But hopefully at least the Jags can keep it entertaining. I mean, I am flying all the way out there. It's the least they can do for me. <laughs> right, right. And it won't be a disappointment like me and Josh coming to Dallas and ended up with the Jags not getting Lamar Jackson and, well, we, the the best part about that trip was we got to see you fall during the 40, which that was, you know, like, I mean, we we actually missed it when it happened beforehand. Classic. But after we looked at the video, it was it'll go down in history, man, like the from the tumble to everything, man. It, it was amazing. But yeah, yeah. I mean, like you can understand why they would be humbled by three losses. Right. And, um, you know, an interesting stat that also uh, made kind of be playing into you know their their a little bit of pessimism there is uh i I put this on the podcast or i'm sorry on the site but uh, they are oh and five in their last five games um in terms of going against the spread so that means that they've either uh lost games that they were projected to be winners in or favorited in or they didn't cover the spread so that could lead up to, if not the Jaguars winning, it could lead up to it being closer than expected, uh, which I, I think like Jaguars fans, even though, you know, we, of course we would like to win, but if the Jaguars keep this within a touchdown, I think we would see that as a W kind of somewhat, uh, though the win would be better. But if they make it interesting and entertaining and close, and as uh, Chauncey said, uh, you know, if, I almost called him sunshine. <laughs> if Trevor Lawrence goes out there and, you know, has a good game against this defense, uh, I, I think that would be considered a a, a, a win of some sorts uh, for this Jacksonville Jaguars team. Yeah, absolutely. So looking forward to the matchup here this weekend. Uh, but of course, we want to thank all of you for checking out the podcast and we will be back for a brand new episode next week. But Jay, before we take care of the final housekeeping, is there anything else you want to let people know to look forward to not only here in the show, but also over on the wire? No, nah, it's just the routine thing, you know, of uh, the stuff we put on the site behind enemy lines. If we can get that done with the opposing editor, uh some uh causes for concern i have to get that up tonight or tomorrow uh tyler actually did that shout outs to him so some causes for concern for the game some keys to victory we might get that out around the weekend uh but pretty much the usual on our end uh and and hopefully uh that'll keep you all entertained until sunday and the game in itself is more entertaining than we're projecting it to be that's right, everybody. And again, you can find the show anywhere you listen to your podcast, which, of course, includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and Amazon Music. If you are listening to the show on your Apple device, please do us a favor and give us a five-star review. Shout out to all of you that have done that already. We really appreciate you. You can find us on Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Believe in Jags Pod. Follow myself at Phil the Filipino, F. 
Fi L I P I N O and Jay will be over at Sports Grind underscore Dawn. Make sure to keep up with the Jaguars wire.usatoday.com for all of your up-to-date Jacksonville Jaguar news. And definitely make sure you're following me as well because I'll be, you know, posting pictures of SoFi Stadium and all that kind of stuff. If you guys want to see it, I'm sure it's just, you know, absolutely. Uh, incredible. I'm excited to watch football under a roof again, you know, like I did at AT&T Stadium when I lived in Dallas. That was nice. So, you know, make sure to keep up with that. But thank you all so much for listening. And don't forget to believe in the Jaguars, but more importantly, believe in yourselves. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.